Welcome to the Caregiver Conversations podcast. My name is Antonia Harbin-Lamb, and I am the Program Manager for Great Lakes Legal Mediation Division. The purpose of this podcast is to provide information and resources for caregivers so they can be more successful and effective caregivers. This podcast is being sponsored by the Prevent Initiative. The Prevent Initiative funds programs focused on elder abuse and neglect prevention. Today, we will be discussing what caregivers need to know about caregiver support groups. Today, I am happy to have with me Marilyn Lawson. Marilyn Lawson is the founder of Elder Care and Caregiver Solutions, a company established to educate families about the various sources of support for seniors. After a 29-year career in banking, Marilyn volunteered for 13 years with the Detroit Area Agency on Aging as an advisory council member, and in 2012, she was appointed a two-year term as the chair of a 40-member council. Marilyn spent seven years as a primary caregiver to her mother and shared in the care of her aunt, both living well into their 90s. In addition to her work and life experience, Mrs. Lawson holds a Bachelor of Science degree in Marketing and Long-Term Care Administration from Madonna University. Additionally, she has certificates in Elder Care Practice and Nursing Home Administration. Through her business, Elder Care and Caregiver Solutions, Marilyn provides members of her caregiver support groups and patrons of her private consulting practice with information, tools, and guidance on how to systemically approach the management of their loved one's custodial care and business needs. Thank you for joining me today, Marilyn. Thank you for inviting me. I'm glad to be here. That's quite an impressive bio there. So we'll jump right in. So when I was researching this topic, I don't really know much about caregiver support groups, honestly. I've never attended one. Um, but we'll just give some information to the guests today. Who is the perfect candidate for a caregiver support group? Well, the uh, perfect candidate is a family member, friend, or neighbor of any gender, age, position, or social economic level who routinely provides care to a senior. Uh, and, you know, and this is a perfect candidate. And I might add, working caregivers would especially benefit from investing a couple of hours monthly in attending a caregiver support group. So how can a caregiver support group help that caregiver? Well, it can help them by uh, finding out, well, when they come in, they really don't know where to begin. You know, they generally come in because an event has occurred, somebody has gotten sick, fallen, broken their ankle, or that, that sort of thing, um, or has had a stroke. So when they come in, they just don't know where to start. So but it can help them because if they, it depends, on, too, on what kind of group they're joining. If it's an educational group, uh, then then they're going to start, they're going to have some different uh, information right from the beginning. So they, um, they will find out what they need to know in terms of getting the support that they need to help them. If they are uh, getting, and we start out by finding, really, what is the diagnosis? 
What is the person capable of doing? What are your caregiving duties? You know, what does this look like long-term? What have you been told by your doctors? And then getting your affairs in order. Because the first thing is the diagnosis. The second thing is, what are your assets? And the reason for that is that you want to know what kind of services this person would qualify for. Um, Some services are based on, on their income income eligibility. So for uh, some people who, are, who have lower incomes, other, others are based on a sliding scale, and then still others are a fee-for-service basis. So they would find out where they could get services from uh, in addition to putting their own team, uh, caregiver team in order. Let's say, for instance, do they have, do they have children? Do they have uh, siblings? Is it their spouse? Is it their parent? You know, so they're getting their team together and talking about the kinds of things that mom is going to need in her care. What things can she do? What, what activities of daily living can she perform? And activities of daily living is, is, is defined as eating, bathing, grooming, transferring, you know, from a, from a chair to, uh, to the bed, moving around, you know, her, the mobility. So if the person is not able to do those kinds of things, they're going to require more care. And so you have to discuss with your siblings, if you, if you have siblings or if you have a team, other people who want to help you, the kinds of things that the person is going to need. Their doctor's visit, prescription pickup, um, what things in the house. Is there, are they continent, incontinent? Um, the other things is independent, and there's uh, in, uh, activities of daily living, too, that has to do with how can they make can they speak on the telephone? Can they can they drive? Can or can they arrange for transportation? Um, can they make and keep doctor's appointments? So those are just a number of things that that you have to be concerned about, and they learn to put those put those things in operation. They are they never usually. Usually they think I don't need a support group. You know I can do this. You know I can do this on my own. Um, but the but they have such an opportunity to learn so many things from other caregivers who are there, who have more experience, who have gone through it as well, so they understand what they're doing, and so they can give advice as well as uh, receive advice. Okay, great, Marilyn. Now, what's important when a caregiver is looking for a support group? They're trying to find that perfect group for them, the one that makes sense, um, whether it's educational or they're talking about giving information about their situation. How do they choose that support group? Okay, so, well, the first thing that they want to do is what is the time? You know, first of all, is, where's the time Time of the meeting? What's the de- what dates do they meet? In? Is it convenient for them? Where's the location? How are they meeting? You know, what kind of platforms are there? At this point, are they on a black, virtual platform? Are they, is it a conference call? Is it a face-to-face? You know, who's conducting the caregiver support group? Sometimes it's people from the medical medical profession, social worker, uh, consultants, um, church groups, you know, a church group, a senior service organizer at the church. So you want to find out who's, what, how they conduct the meetings, you know. And, and based on that, there are guidelines for participation too, so that so that they can share. They have open sharing, but they first when they first come in, they know that everything is going to be confidential. 
they have a right to pass if they don't feel comfortable. You know, so they can attend a couple of meetings to see if they fit in with the group that's there. Um, they have a right to pass. There's no criticizing or judging. There's no advice uh, unless asked for. And they stay, and you want to make sure that they stay in the here and now so that they're not dwelling on the past. But at the same time, um, there are other guidelines, you know, as they go along. So we don't want to somebody monopolize the floor. We want to talk about things that are that are important to the the, the individual because they're concerned. They, you don't want them to walk out with the same concern that they came in with. So they can express those, and they can express them openly, and know that they're they, that it's all held in confidence. Um, the leader may have the answer to it, or another person in the group may may be able to give if they're asking for solutions. So people can bring uh, any number of things, whatever is on their mind. If they're talking, if even themselves, if they're they may say that my finances are not as they should be or my taxes are behind or, you know, what kind of help can I get in terms of open enrollment, Medicare, Medicaid, open enrollment? What should what insurance should I be taking out? Or my mother's been acting very strange lately. You know, what could this be? It looks like dementia. I've heard that. Could it be that? So it sounds like the caregivers are able to have a lot of different types of conversations while they're there. It ranges from their own personal conversations, what they're going through, maybe with the care recipient, but also with themselves. Is that that's also, right? Also with themselves. Because what we want to do is we want to make sure we take care of the caregivers. If they're not taken care of, then they can't take care of the, the care recipient. So we want to make sure of that. Um, certainly, we want to tell them about services that that would be good for them as well as the care recipient, you know, on respite services uh, that are available in the community. Um, um, also, you know, there are certain organizations that, de- depending on what the what the care recipient's income level is, they may be eligible to be picked up daily and taken to a program. There's a there's a program called the PACE program, and so they pick up pick up the person in the morning, bring them home in the afternoon. They give them two meals a day and snacks, and they take them to all their doctor's appointments. So that, uh, it, again, has a certain income level that's associated with that. You want to find out if they're a veteran. If they're a veteran, they may be eligible for some veteran services for assistance. Um, that has happened. So that's one of the things we ask when they first come in. The income level, the diagnosis, is the person a veteran? Um, is this, you know, who are, how, how are you related? And then as the time goes on, they generally would talk about how many, what other family members are there, you know, assisting them. Okay. And with your support groups, the way that they work, is it, that the person, the caregiver is coming in and meeting with you one-on-one and giving this information, this type of information about their situation, the care recipient, and then you're providing resources all the way through, or how does that work? Okay, generally when they first start, you find out about them. And again, like I said, if uh, the person is a veteran, so you know that. Mm-hmm. You find out what what um, income level they are. And so based on that, you can make recommendations there. But they they can come, They I initially find that out when they first 
called to RSVP uh, for a space there in the caregiver support group. And based on that, and then they come in, and you may not be talking about that particular subject, but they can bring it up from the floor. And I never, never bring up something that somebody has told me I allowed them to do it because it's up to them to default that to everybody else. But certainly I, I have also typed up information and sent it to my caregivers on various uh, subjects, you know, they've been interested in. Um, like one person said to me, I really am having a very difficult time um, being a caregiver to my husband. And that happens, you know, that happens on occasion. Um, and she says she's always done all of all, everything, but now he he is distant. He is he is completely absorbed. Um, even his friends kind of shy away from him. And so we talk about what might be going on medically. So I've given her some suggestions, um, made some recommendations, and it's up to her to follow them. If she needs assistance with that, then she can come back to me. Okay, great, Marilyn. Now. Do all caregivers need a support group? I would highly recommend it. There's going to be something that you're going to find out. There's going to be, and, and caregiver support groups are different. You know, uh, they may have um, art therapy uh, in addition to what they're doing, so they may do things to entertain. Uh, in addition to, oh, they may knit while they're, while they're, you know, having a support group. Uh, they have social events. Uh, so, uh, and with my caregiver support group, we have a, a picnic in the summer. And then in the, at and Christmas, we have a Christmas celebration. And then uh, caregivers who have been with the group previously, they're invited to come back and share in that as well in both of these events. How do you deal with a reluctant care recipient and that care recipient does not want their caregiver to attend a support group. How do you deal with that? Well, I think oftentimes um, the care recipient doesn't know that the person is attending a caregiver support group. That's for one. But if the person did know that they were attending a caregiver support group, I just would play down the subject, but I would still go. Uh, why? Because there may be things that they're, you're going to find out that you absolutely need to know. If somebody's health is failing, um, let's say, for instance, if they, I've had a situation where somebody was very vague, the person was very vague, what was happening is they had a urinary tract infection. But if the person hadn't come to the caregiver support group, they wouldn't have not have been able to identify what was going on. And it is essential that you get that person to the doctor right away at that point, to the hospital. Because if it remains in the bloodstream, then they may not come back. They may not be as cognizant as they were when they first started. So there are any number of reasons to do that. And also for your own support, your own, your own mental health. Um, to have, you know, you have a group of people who you've established some camaraderie with. Um, they, know, they know you, and they know, that, they know the things that you're going through. And to share this journey with somebody else. You know, people are not, cannot do it in isolation. Even when somebody is placed, they have um, they have three shifts coming in to the organization every day, but if you're a twenty four hour, uh, seven day a week caregiver, 
you need some relief and you need some place to go. So what does your caregiver support group look like at this time now that we're working during this pandemic? How does that look? Okay, well, I still have them coming in. We had a caregiver, we had a conference call number long before the pandemic occurred. So we used that and we decided that what we do is if there there was inclement weather, uh, then we would use the the, uh, conference call line. Or if there were other subjects that we needed to discuss in between time with a group, we'd use the conference call. So that was nothing for us to do is to jump right on and start using the conference call back in March when this first started. And I just happened to be in Georgia at the time. So you could be anywhere doing the caregiver support group. And all of my people would then, what we did is we went from having the meeting once a month to having a weekly meeting because there was so much, much information coming out about the pandemic. Um, you know, so many things that you needed to know, where to get protective equipment, um, that you could or could not visit your your loved ones in a um, in a nursing home you know, or in another in any of the other institutions. You could not visit them. Um, there was just um, where you could get help with different things that you needed yourself uh, or either. And what's most important is that it, it, there is a rule that you have to have a three-night overnight stay in order to go and to, in the hospital if you have an event, in order to go to a nursing home and it be and you'd be eligible for it go go to a nursing home. Well, they drop it. CMS dropped that during this pandemic time, and so they because they didn't want to keep people in the hospital there and keep up those beds, so they will release them and let them go. So those are the kinds of things that people are not necessarily going to find out. But I'm getting that information, and I pass that on. So I sent out about 17 emails, you know, one week, I mean, you know, for the next meeting. And so I'm—and we also talk about food. Where's food being distributed? So there's a lot there. Um, Whatever affects the care recipient, whatever affects the caregiver, is an issue that we talk about there. So it can be at accomplishments— things that you're concerned about um, or something that you just want, you know, you want to share. But again, we try to make sure that we give enough time to each person. So if you have two things that you would like to talk about, you know, we try to make sure we can get around to everyone in a session. Okay, Marilyn, this has been very helpful information. Thank you for joining us today. Tell us where a caregiver can get in touch with you and find out about a support group. Well, they can call me directly. My telephone number is area code 313-289-9672-289-9672. Or they can email me at eldercuresolutions at outlook.com. Again, thank you, Marilyn. Thank you. It's my pleasure to be here. Thank you. This is Antonia Harbin-Lamb. Thank you for listening. For more information about our mediation program and more podcasts, please call 313-937-8282 or find us on Facebook at Great Lakes Legal Mediation Division. It's where families coming apart come together.